have a little boy on our team who's extra competitive, a little bit aggressive. A parent that I knew walk up to me after the service, after the service, after the game was over. I can't believe the unsportsmanlike conduct of that boy on your team. I thought to myself, Rachel asked me last night, what's been eating you up all day? I said, people don't know. People want to point fingers and get aggravated. They don't see a little boy who I've never seen his dad at a practice. Because he shows up half the time to practice. A really good athlete. Really good. I mean, he's, he's, he's got skill way beyond any of the rest of the boys on our team or girls. Never seen his dad at a practice. Mom isn't, isn't connected enough to know when he's supposed to be at practice. It makes about a half of them. The week before he showed up at the end of our game. I thought about all afternoon yesterday. I thought a little baby B. Because I've watched B have all kinds of problems. And then you walk into a room and his, his eyes light up and his smile is priceless. And I thought, with if Avery had a chance, like baby B had a chance, things might be completely different. And I thought, I've only got a week left. Soccer season's almost over. What, what, am I, what can I do? Next week's our last game. We gotta make a difference. And I'm supposed to preach a thinking message and help you guys get activated to do something, but I'm just telling you, we gotta do something, man. Significant. Not just churchianity. Not just looking for success and comfort and things. We gotta do something significant for the life of one. Just one. Just one. So the story, I told the story yesterday. We did some cleaning yesterday for National Day of Prayer around town. And we walk around this one corner underneath the underpass down on Main Street and we're cleaning up stuff. And I, I walk around this one underneath this thing around this concrete wall thing. And there's just more glass than you know what to do with. And obvious evidence of people living underneath there. Ravioli cans popped open, laying right there. Cushions to sit on. I'm talking Chillicothe. I'm not talking Columbus. I'm not talking New York City. I'm talking Chillicothe, Ohio. And there was just so much glass, it was impossible for us and for even to make a dent in it. I mean, it was just unbelievable. At one point, because of human waste, I'm trying to clean up something, and I have to walk away and try not to lose my breakfast. And I was reminded of a story I was told once about this family who walked onto this beach. As they walked onto the beach, there was just an innumerable amount of starfish. And if somebody didn't do something, they were all going to die. They'd lift up in the water, and they're just, they're just like they're all washed up on the thing. And a couple of them around talk about what they could do, what could happen. Man, it's bad, isn't it? Yeah, it's really bad. And just back and forth. And as they sit and converse, one little boy in the group walked out and just picked one up and threw it out there. 
one of the all-knowing adults walks up and goes, what do you think you're doing? You, you can't make a difference. You can't, look at all this. Wow, do you think you, you can actually take care of this problem? And the kid says, I don't, I don't know. And they keep talking back and forth. While the adult's spouting off, the kid reaches down, picks up the starfish, throws it as hard as he can, looks back at the adult. I made a difference to that one, picked up another one. Because we look at the big picture, and we forget that it's not the big picture. It's the one. Jesus leaves the 99, and he chases after the one. Yeah, the picture's huge. I read, I read, I saw an article the other day. I was talking to a youth pastor the other day who's been inspired by John and Rachel, actually, to consider fostering and stuff. If you saw the article, 47 babies, and I forgot what the time frame is, in the maternity ward at Adena, drug babies. This youth pastor's wife works in the maternity ward, and she said, I can count on two hands the number of babies I've seen come in to the maternity ward in the last few weeks who have two parents in the home. Forty-seven babies are drug babies. Now, figure the balance out there. And if somebody doesn't try and do something to help one, see, if all of us could, do, if all of us could just buy one bag, we're affecting one. You know what I'm saying? I can think about that huge number and we got to do something. I, I was blessed yesterday to be a part of a core of people for, for National Day of Prayer who are from several churches who worked around town. I watched the people from Elizabeth Hope come walking up out of the park, a whole barrage of people. I saw faces from our church and different churches walking and it just so brought joy to my heart because see, each of those things is making a difference. And it's making a difference because it affects one person here and one person there and one person there. And the body of Christ begins to make a change and, and do something that makes all the difference in the world. Maybe not to many, but to one. But we have enough ones. All of a sudden, we begin to turn the tide. I know I'm off track, and Amy probably wondered, where in the world am I going? I don't know. In Ruins chapter 12, verse 1. The scriptures tell us about laying down our lives. You know, for some reason, we look at, you know, we, we look at things and we, we, we can't see how we can fit in. And for too long, too much, too often, we count ourselves out because we can't have the same impact that somebody else we, we see. We compare ourselves one to the other. We do some things, and, we, and, and, and we, we err when we do that. You know, why we, you know how we err? Because suddenly we discount what God's placed in us. One of two things happen when we start comparing ourselves one to the other. I'm able to do everything Patrick Lee can do with a foster baby, okay, or John and Rachel. But I can buy a bag. And if I can try and compare my impact, their impact, I'm missing it because you know what happened? I'll become discouraged. I'll become depressed. Now, the flip side of that is I'm really good at something. If I start making comparisons, I'll suddenly become proud and arrogant because I'm really good at things. 
And there's no place, the Bible tells us humility rules in the body of Christ. That's just, that, that, that's where everything starts. Jesus humbled himself. He, 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 the scripture told us last week in Philippians chapter 1 and 2 that he humbled himself. And so in, in, in view of God's mercy, Romans 12, 1 says, see, we have to keep it on that level. Jesus is the comparison. Jesus is the standard. We are to line up to nobody but him. We are to get our cues from nobody but him in view of his mercy because he shines his love down on us we ought to do some things in view of God's mercy he says I I urge you therefore brothers to present yourself he says to present your 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 own being your own life your own uh, ability to reason your own ability to move your own ability to act he says "I, I I urge you Brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be living and holy sacrifices, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior or the customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, the way you will learn. Then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect. And see, in, in light of God's mercy, because God, Jesus, Jesus died for the whole world, but each of us who have become to be a follower of Christ know the thing that made a difference was not that he died for the whole world, is that what he made himself personal to each of us. It was that he reached down, and when, when Alice couldn't get up, he reached down his hand, and he helped her up. And that made the difference. When Doug couldn't get up, Jesus reached down and grabbed Doug's hand and pulled Doug up. And he went back here. And when Doris couldn't get up, Jesus pulled Doris up and Kathy and Daryl. <laughs> Me too, brother. Huh? And that's what made the difference to each of us. In view of his mercy, in view of how God treated each of us, we ought to do some things. He says, do these things. You should give your body, you should give your mind, and you should give your will. I heard an interesting story the other day about Bill Turkovich. Who, who said that? Was that in here? I don't know who it was. It was at our home group, wasn't it? It was our home group. And he said, somebody asked him how he liked living in Africa. He was one of, he's one of our missionaries. He's now in the Dominican Republic, but he, he was in Africa, Sierra Leone, in the middle of civil war. He said, he goes, he answered, he said this question, it doesn't matter if I like Africa or not. It matters if God called me to go to Africa. See, we want, we want to like everything God called us to do. We want to enjoy everything, every moment, every second. And Jesus, I'm telling you right now, Jesus did not enjoy every moment of walking toward that cross. And whether he liked it or not was not the issue. The issue was God called him to complete a task on this planet. And at the end, he goes, God, it's finished. We did it, didn't we? And our salvation was wrought, and he calls us. Remember the scripture I told you last week, Philippians 1, 2 says this. No, 2, 1 says this. No, 2, 5 says this. Let this mind be in you. Have the same attitude of Christ Jesus, who considered his life, his Godhead, his thing, nothing, except that he might become a servant. Go all the way, all the way down to verse 8, it says he became obedient even to death on a cross. I don't, I don't know where, uh, worship is a lifestyle. The scriptures say here in Romans 12, 1, that you want to worship Jesus? Find that one. 
Find that one person you can have an impact on. Find that one life you can serve and serve well. Find that one thing you can do, not something you think somebody else can do. Find that one thing. Because if we don't, we're missing it. In verse 3, Paul writes, Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning, don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. Some of you aren't as good as you think you are. Some of you aren't as bad as you think you are. I'm not as good as I think I am in some arenas. I'm not as bad as I think I am in some arenas. I want you to make an honest evaluation of yourself. What do I have to offer? I don't have anything. Some of you, it was prayed this morning, and I don't know if anybody picked up my notes or whatever, but we prayed this morning in prayer meeting that, that, we, that some of us have said, well, I got this, but I'll do this later. I don't really have time. right now. Be honest. your If you have a gift, God expects you to use it. Some of you, some of you feel condemnation and frustration because you can't do what you used to do. Well, God's not worried about what you used to do. He's worried about what you can offer right now. He's worried about the, the, the card you can write, the phone call you can make. He's worried about the, 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 the extra you can give. He's not worried about what you used to do or what you used to be able to do, what you can't do. He's worried about what you can do right now. Are you hearing me? All of us are, are in spots. I can't do some of the things I want to do. I bellyache to my wife. I just seem like there's, there's never, the day never ends. I, I feel like I could get accomplished, everything I could have accomplished. Sitting in the front porch last night, I'm like, Babe's like, what's wrong? I'm thinking about little little Avery. I'm thinking about graduation ceremonies. I'm thinking about weddings. I'm thinking about NDP things. I'm thinking about, and I just can't get everywhere. And I got to stuff to fix it. And I'm just, I just, and if I get caught up doing what I can't do, everything I can't do, I get real frustrated and I get real angry and I just want to beat my head against the wall. That's me. God's not asking me to give what I can't give. He's asking me to give what I can give. And each of us, and I want you to make an honest video. Dave, where are you? Are you here? Dave and Joel, do me a favor. Every person in this room gets a, gets a gift evaluation, gets a gift, a gift test. Every person. Rick, thank you. Every one of you are going to walk out of here today with a piece of paper. You do have homework from church today. And I expect you to bring it back with you in two weeks. That's hardcore, ain't it? Man, this church is crazy. I want every one of you to take one of these things. I want you to put it in, and we're going to find out what you can do. More importantly, you're going to find out what you can do. Everyone, everybody gets one. You're going to make an honest evaluation of yourself. You're going to look at what God has created in you, the purposes, the abilities, the things, and doggone it, you ought to find a place to put it to work. Are you serious, Aaron? I am absolutely 100% serious. Everybody gets one. Everybody gets one. Everyone's supposed to fill one. Everyone's supposed to fill one out. Now I don't have any IRS agents going to show up at the house and and want to audit your stuff and everything like that to make it happen. But you know what? Uh, you can do that. Make an honest evaluation of yourself. Realize your real worth. You are valuable to God and His kingdom. But also realize, without Christ in your life, your worth you you have no worth. You, I don't want to say you have no worth. You have, you, you have no purpose. Maybe it's a better way of saying that. 
Because Christ is in you. There's this guy. Anybody? Hang on, let me get ready. While you're doing that. All right. I don't know if those are on right, but we'll play. You play with me, right? I heard a story a couple weeks ago. And you might think Tim Tebow's biggest contribution is like two national championship games, a Heisman Trophy thing. He, but you know what? Three, three years ago, he played in a national championship game. He had played for two seasons for the University of Florida Gators. Be quiet back there. Ushers tend to that woman. And for two seasons, he had, wear, he had worn eye black, which keeps you from, from glare getting in your eyes so you can see clearly. You can know where to throw, how to catch, who to defend. That's what eye black is for. See, for us, sometimes the shining glimmer of somebody else's gift and ability gets in our eyes, and we just, we're unable to do anything. For some of us, it's our own shine. And we need some eye black on so we can see what we need to see and do what we need to do. And for two seasons, Tim Tebow wore these words under one eye, F-I-L. Over here said 413, Philippians 413. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He wore that for two years. They went on an unbelievable run that next, that, that his junior season. End up the week they're approaching the national championship game against Alabama. I mean, the, the, the SEC championship game against Alabama. God begins to contend with Tim Tebow about changing the verse underneath his eyes. Now, now Drew will attest to, as an athlete, when you got something going and everything's working, you don't change nothing, buddy. Oh boy. And he knew God was contending with him about changing the, 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 the scripture verse underneath. He wore underneath his eyes every game. He's underneath your center. The, the thing is right there. Philippians 4.13, staring right in the camera. And he's like, oh, no, no, I can't do that, God. Number one, I can't tell Coach Meyer about that. No way. And so he began to negotiate with God. And he said, God, if we win the SEC championship game, I will change the verse. So they go on a, on, a, on a run in the fourth quarter, win the ball game miraculously. So now he knows it's on. So now, you know, in, in college football, you have that whole law of between the championship games and the bowl games. He's got weeks of trying to figure out what to do about the eye black and how to talk to Coach Meyer about it. They finally get to Miami where the national championship game is. They're going to be playing against Oklahoma. They're there in Miami on a Tuesday, the, the week of the national championship game. God says, he says, okay, God, I got to talk to his mom. I got to tell Coach Meyer. He's not going to go for that. I don't know what to say. And so he took Coach Meyer aside and said, I got to change. He said, you know Philippians 4.13? Coach Meyer's like, yeah, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he said, I got to change it. You can't change Philippians 4.13. That's what God is here. He said, I'm just telling you, he said, after about 15, 20 minutes of going back to where Coach Meyer, Coach Meyer said where he's coming from. He's like, what do I do? What am I going to do? Change he changes the verse. He said, what's the, what's the one thing God I could leave with people? He said, well, I guess my faith is encapsulated in John 3.16. So he changes it, the national championship game, John 3.16. Now, here's the, here's the crazy thing. He plays now championship game. They win literally in the last seconds of the ball game. Tim Tebow threw the touchdown pass. Win the ball game. Things are going crazy. Three, days, three or four days later, he's back in Gainesville sitting and eating with his folks and Coach Meyer about whether he's going to come back for his senior year and play football or go to the NFL. Coach Meyer's sitting there. Phone rings. Pick up the phone. Yeah, really? Okay, uh-huh, uh-huh. Not really. No way. Wow. All right. 
Tim, you know, during the football game the other night, the national championship game, he said, John, John 3.16, that was the, pre, the public relations guy from the university. John 3.16 was Googled 94 million times. And Tim, Tim Tebow's response is, 94 million people don't know what John 3.16 is? <laughs> now, now fast forward. Three years later, he's playing a wild card game against the Pittsburgh Steelers playing quarterback when nobody thinks he can make it in the NFL, right? He doesn't realize it. It's three years to the day he played the national championship game and put John 3.16 under, under his eyes. Googled 94 million times, watch John 3.16. All right? On that day, his, his per... Average, his average yards per rush was 3.16. He threw for 316 yards passing in the whole, for the whole game. They had 31.06 time of possession, I believe it was, in, during the course of the game. There was some other weird statistics. It added up to 316. The week after the game, you pull it up, over 90 million people pull up John 316. Again, three years to the day. Now, see, what I'm saying is, and you know what? It, it, it was, it was this. It wasn't the, it wasn't the, it was just a mere change of eye black that God used. I mean, the, the football stats are amazing, but Tim Tebow can't, can't plan to throw for 316 yards. That was all God. He can't plan to run for 3.16 yards per carry. He can't plan for his team to have 31 points. That was God at work in the middle of that. Three years to the day. I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? Does God really use small donations like that? Absolutely. The biggest thing in the kingdom eternally was not how many yards and things Tim Tebow threw for. It, was how, it is how many people actually went to go find out what John 3.16 is. And if we could mess it up by thinking other than that, we got problems. Make an honest evaluation of yourself and realize you have gifts. Tim Tebow gifts happen to be he's in front of cameras. That's a gift. God gets to use that. He has other gifts, but that's an amazing gift he's utilizing well at the moment. Make an honest evaluation of yourselves. Recognize what God's called you to do and to be. Be faithful to it. He's looking for somebody who has faithful cooperation. You have to run in grace. The scriptures tell us this. In his grace, verse 6, God has given us all different gifts. You can't do what I do. I can't do what you do. I look around at some people and you all make me sick. I talked to a guy yesterday, worked with National Day of Prayer. He plays piano, bass, guitar, da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, I'm like, you make me so sick. He said, well, what can you do? I just talk. That's just pretty much all I do. That's what my life encompasses around. But we got to run in the grace. God, I can't run the grace that God gave this guy, Shannon, to play and do all this other stuff. I can't run in that grace because that's not my grace. But I can run in the grace God's given me. Some of you have wondered, well, God, well, does God have anything for me? Absolutely. But you can't measure yourself by what Aaron does. You can't measure yourself by what Patrick does. You can't measure yourself by what Nancy or Brian or Travis or Jim. Well, what Jim? Maybe you don't want to even think about that. But... <laughs> You can't shine like Jim can. <laughs> and but you can do what God's called you to do. Everything's for the kingdom. Remember that. It's all about the kingdom of God. It's all about doing what Jesus called us to do. 
He says these words, if your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. If you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. He makes no comparison to any of them. He just says, if you got it, do it. Take the Nike Swish thing and put it to work. Just do it, brother. Man, I'm hot. Whew. And that wasn't, never mind. Run for the kingdom, run for and with others. The thing about this list we just read is it has to be service. These things in the list are about us interacting with people. I can't be a teacher and not interact with people. I can't give and it not affect people. I can't be a leader and it not affect people. The whole thing is it's going to be for others. I have to join my gifts with the gifts of other people. I have to do it for others. That's what the kid Jesus, everything Jesus did was for the purpose and the betterment and the benefit of other people. I can't catch my breath. I am out of shape or something. Now, we have it. We put some of you. I don't know if everybody's got the grip on these things yet, but these are all on the wall to remind you constantly what we're supposed to be about doing. Worship is a lifestyle. It's just not the songs and the music we do in the middle of the service. Paul writes in what we just read, to, to lay down your life as a living sacrifice is your reasonable act of worship. The other thing is, we do this way back here in the corner. Every believer can minister. That's what Paul's saying here in Romans 12, verse 6. All of us have something to do. All of us have some grace, some gift given to us. That's why I gave you that, so you can make an honest evaluation of yourself, see what God's, and then find a place to use it. Some of you have a gift of hospitality. And while you were sitting here listening to Patrick and Dominique and John talk about your heart, yes, you know what that means? Be hospitable, invite a foster kid into your house. Well, Aaron, I'm 50, whatever. I told a story last year about a guy named, a lady named Irene, and what was her husband's name? I want to say Diego or something like that. It was something like that. And she, she wanted her husband to come to know Christ. It took him years to come to Christ. At one time, she gave up giving up on him, just asked God to kill him. He was alcoholic. He was abusive. And she's just like, I can't do it. I, can't, I don't know what to do. And she just began to pray. And, and instead of kill, God killed him, but he got him saved. He killed the old Diego or whatever his name was. And, 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 and a new Diego raised up in his place. He was the same guy. Don't get dude. Is that for real? No way. Are you telling the truth? He was the same guy. He just when he came to know Christ, everything about his life turned, and they became foster parents, and they began to adopt kids, and they did all kinds. And you know what happened? In their sixties, they picked up ten more kids. I'm not asking you to pick up 10. Well, Dominique might ask you to pick up 10, but I'm not going to ask you to pick up 10. I'm going to ask you to do what you can do. Buy a bag, doggone it. Some of you want to find out how you, you know, well, I, you know I thought I was just going to cruise through my empty nest years. That's I've been waiting for them kids to get out of the house. Well, you know what? Your life's not your own, buddy. You were bought with the price, the scriptures say. Now, do something significant with what you have, your house. 
I've watched Patrick and Leah, not to toot their horning. They, have, they, they bought a smaller house, moved into town, and now they've, been, they've, been, they've spent time trying to make that house conducive so they can keep Bentley at their house, so they can do something. They've, they've altered, and there's, there's not much about their life that's normal anymore. They've got to be careful who they take Bentley to. They've got to make different arrangements for their boys sometimes in Bentley, and they've got to make different trips. And so it, it, all of a sudden it, it, it's doing something that isn't always fun, isn't always comfortable, isn't always easy, but it's necessary for the betterment of someone else. And that and Dominique, I should just let you preach. James 1, 27, that is pure. The scriptures, one translation says, use the word religion. I just say that's pure Christianity. Ministering to orphans, ministering to widows in their time of need. Keeping yourself unspotted, untainted by everything every, that everybody else is chasing after. Man, that's good stuff. I don't care if you like it or not. You look down through there, expect God's power to bring you low. Down through these next, if you read Romans 12, we don't have time to do all of it. Expect God's power to bring change. Get low. You've got to start by having loving participation. Verse 9 says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tight to what is good. He goes on to say, never, never be lazy but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically, verse 11 says. Loving participation, being otherish, loving people. Love is addressed, expressed, not just addressed. You, you've got to do some things that make a difference in love to the nth degree. Work hard, it says. There is, there's no place in the Scripture where you're allowed to be lazy about your normal work because we still want to compartmentalize our lives. You know not allowed to be lazy as a worker, an employee of some place, just because you feel messed up. You represent Christ wherever you go. And especially about the work of the kingdom, you should never be lazy. You should be zealous, enthusiastic, ready to do what it is God said do. Second Thessalonians talks about that. You can read the scriptures there. I don't have time to go through all that. There should be an outward manifestation. Verse 14 goes like this. As you begin to love people who are just directly around you, it should create this generator, this thing, this momentum, this thing. Goes, and you can't stop it. And all of a sudden, even the, even the people you don't like, you find yourselves loving. It's easy to love people who are sitting right, well, maybe for some of us. It's easy to love people who are sitting right next to us in this environment. Sometimes it's difficult to, to love those who maybe don't like us very much, who want to bless us out in the checkout line. He says, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Love should be a dynamo that cannot be contained in this environment. It ought to run over everywhere. Pray blessing and answer your own. Don't be, don't be too proud, he says in verse, what is that, 16? Yes. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Then in verse 20, he says, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you'll heat burning coals of fire on their heads. That's supposed to be a blessing. That's a, that's a Jewish blessing. They would have to sometimes go and borrow coals to cook on, to light their homes, and they would wear these things that would, they, 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 they'd like scoop it up, and they'd like carry that stuff on their head. You've seen those. You ever been, anybody ever been like in the Middle, Middle Eastern countries or, or Africa? 
A lot of the ladies, they, they walk around with baskets and things, and that's how they carry stuff for long distance. They have ability to balance things on their heads. This is what this is talking about. It's not talking about like, dude, you're going to burn like a, you're going to blister their face. You know, it's not talking about that. It's about being a blessing, helping somebody have the light and the warmth that they need to sustain life. Do you get that? He says, so if your enemy needs something, give it to them. If you, it, it, this, this thing of serving people should be just about what we're about. There ought to be places in this, in this church where your gifts are active and functional. It is not okay for you to sit still and let somebody else do it. It is not. It is not okay for you to go, well, I could do that, but you know, really, I'll just let them. No. It is not okay for you to watch other people get the work of the kingdom done. If you have gifts and callings, you ought to get your butt in gear. And I did say the word butt, and I meant it. I had somebody tell me last week, don't apologize anymore. I'm not apologizing for using the word but during the course of a sermon. And I meant the one with two T's. And if we do this, the world will be transformed. Listen to verse 21 of Romans 12. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. If we want this world to be a different place, you know who's going to make it a different place? He's sitting or she's sitting right where you're sitting. You can overcome evil by doing good. The gospel of the kingdom changes lives, changes hearts. And it changes lives and it changes hearts. You know why? Because the people of the kingdom do the work of the kingdom. They pray for the people who are in the kingdom. They serve the people who are in the kingdom. They serve the people who are in the kingdom. And they're just about it. And it makes a whole different environment for, this, for us to live in. That's just the honest truth. It will change the world, I promise. May I serve. I want to make this point. I've got, I don't know if you can read it. Can you read them? Can you see them? This one says may. This one says I serve. Little I, big S, on purpose. Like the person of Christ, he made himself of nothing, Philippians 2 says, and became obedient as a servant, even obedience to death on a cross. May, this is the month of May, you not only should, last week I said, I answered the question, yes, you can serve and you should. This week's message is, may I serve? Yes, you may serve, and you have the equipment to serve. Each of us has a grace. Paul just told us that in Romans, Romans 12, 6. Each of us have something to offer. Each of us should operate in the grace that we have. Each of us should operate in the gift that we have. Not what somebody else has. Not be caught up with the light and the glamour of what somebody else is doing, but, but just do what we can do and offer it to God and give it to him. Kim's getting up and walking away. You want to give something to the kingdom? She's selling luminary things for Relay for Life. You know why? Because we believe if we interact with the general population, we can make a difference. Going to Relay for Life, you want to know? You never know. I don't have time. I'm going to tell it anyway. I was sitting. You want to talk about making a difference? Well, why do we do really for life anyway? That's not even Christian. That's not even. Well, two things. We have been so pounded in this church by cancer. Let's do something to help fight that stupid thing, number one, that we can do. Okay? Number two, it gets us rubbing shoulders with people who don't know Jesus. That'll be enough reason. But you want to really know the big deal? Three weeks ago, I'm in my bathroom getting ready to go, of course, of the day. 
There's this little show on WBEX on the AM radio called The Sounding Board. They're talking about Relay for Life. Okay? And they're talking about what the festivities are going to be like. And they've altered the, 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 the schedule this year. Usually they start on, Monday, on, on Friday night, go all through the night, and close up by, by noon on Saturday. In order to make it a more of a family event and keep more people there during the course of the day, they've started at noon on Saturday, running it until 6 o'clock Sunday morning. The closing ceremonies will be at 6 o'clock in the morning on Sunday. The guy sharing the message this coming Sunday, or this, this year at, really, at, the, at the morning service, is a guy named Chris Van Buskirk. Anybody know him? And that's really cool. And a little fellow named Josh Strange will be sharing music. Okay, with acoustic guitar, which is pretty cool because I know both those guys. You know what's really cool? So they start talking about Chris being the guy sharing. They say, his dad fought cancer. And his dad was the major contributor to this community. And he changed this community. I'm listening to a secular radio station talking about the pastor, the former pastor of this church. And I sat there in my bathroom, and I bawled, and I cried. And my wife heard the stuff because she was still laying in bed. I was getting ready. She was still laying in bed. That's honest. She's a, she is not a morning person. And she, I hear from the bedroom, oh, my goodness. See, because I'm thinking, I want to so contribute to what God's doing that long after I'm gone, people go, I hope every one of us, I hope they'll say this as a collective, that church made such a difference. They took kids nobody else would take. They told truth nobody else would tell. They preached the gospel unashamedly and uncompromisingly. They served this community and they served it well. They did not back up. They did not back down. They did not quit. They, I, I want, I I just, I don't, I don't know if it, it, it matters to me. Not because I want to be anything. It's because I want the kingdom of God to expand in the world. We should serve with God's power, for God's glory. You can look at 1 Peter 4.10. God has given each of us a gift. A great, from a great, his great variety of gifts. Use them well, he says, to serve one another. You have the gift of speaking, then speak, he says. Do you have the gift of helping? Then help. Do it all. Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. You read those words? He's not making any comparisons. He's saying whatever you got, use it. And use it because God's given to you. And use it because God's empowering it. Use it because love of God is strong in your heart. Don't sit and think about what you can do, what you can't do, because it doesn't look like what somebody else could do. Look at what God told you you could do and just go do it. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. We win with God's power. We disciple with God's power. And we send people to relay for life for God's glory. We send people 
into the world to NDP services and things like that. Why? For God's glory. Why do we elect, why do we want our churches to be a part of Elizabeth Hope Walk for Life? For God's glory. Why do we want to change the heart of a, of a little fellow maybe named Bentley or Braden? Why? For God's glory. That's why. We do everything we do, not for ourselves, but for the glory of God with the power that he supplies. That's why. Just do it. Find a place to serve. Just do it. Stop making excuses. Stop, stop waiting for somebody else to step up. Stop waiting for somebody else to, 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 to get in there. I don't have time. Make time. I don't have time either. I don't have money. Don't, you can share a word of encouragement. I don't have money all the time. I don't have to, you know what? Well, I don't have the money to buy a, buy a bag. You know what? I'll bet four or five families go together if they had to and buy a bag. You know what I mean? Maybe there's some of you who go to a connection group here and you ought to, and I'm going to go to that soapbox right now. You ought to. I had somebody tell you this week, I don't know what people do without being involved in a connection group around here, Aaron. Had went through a really rough week and we talked for a while on the phone, and I don't know what we do. I don't know how, I don't know either. Because you need people in your life. Connection group could go together and buy a bag. Why not? I'm not angry. I'm just intense, and I want to get things done. Put your eye black on. Remove the glare of the light of other people. Remove the glare of, of your own abilities and just serve. Just serve. Just serve. Put your eye black on. Oh, I might be able to hand some of these out. Who's going to put their eye black on today? And that will look stupid. That's the craziest thing Jesus ever does to you. It makes you look goofy for the rest. I don't, I've worn this for 40 minutes or something. Who cares? But the next time you see some eye black on a, on a, on a football player or a baseball player, you go, dude, I ought to be busy about doing something. And I hope that's exactly what happens. Jesus just did it. Jesus just did it. Just like night, Jesus just did it. All of us are sitting here enjoying the grace of God. You know why? Jesus just did what God called him to do. Jesus just used what gave him. Jesus just used the gift and the love and the power and God to change lives. If you're sitting here right now, you're like, why are you people all like this? Why do you worship the way you worship? Why are you willing to, to, to work, work, reach out towards orphans? Why are you willing to talk about picking up glass and different human ways? Why? You know why? Because there's this guy named Jesus. And he died for us, and he died for you. And you know why he died for you? Because you are sinful. Yes, I said it, you are. I know that's not politically correct, but you are. You don't have to learn how to lie. You don't have to learn how to cheat. You don't have to learn how to, you just know how to do that. My kids all know how to do that, and I tried not to, to teach them how to do that. All of us in us have things that are messed up, and Jesus came to change the world one life, one heart, one person at a time, and yours is next on his list. And he says, I love you. I'm standing at the door and knocking. Your sin separates you from God. Why doesn't God do anything for me? You know why? Because he wants you to, to come to know him more than he just wants to give you stuff. And he wants you to, to walk with him. He wants you to know that heaven is your home. And listen, the most important message I will ever share is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I will make no apologies about that. Jesus just did it. He lives looking for us. He loves you. He wants you. He, he, he desires to have a deeper and stronger relationship with you. If you don't know Christ right now in this place, it, that can all change. You can, have, you can know heaven is your home. You know how? You say these simple words. Jesus, I believe you are the only way to God the Father in heaven. 
bam, at that moment it all changes. If in your heart you believe. I hope you think we are completely nuts. Because normal ain't cutting it, folks. Normal is messing this world up bad, and we just keep going down the path. I don't care about being normal. I just want to be walking with Jesus. I don't care about nothing else. If you don't know Jesus, it's as simple as responding to the, the nudge of the Holy Spirit. Say it with me, if you will. We enrich the church by serving one another. We change the world by serving others, and we follow Christ by serving the other two. We worship Christ. Some of you ought to be trying to grab Dominique before she leaves. What can I do? How can I help? Some of you ought to find a ministry leader and say, I want to do something significant. I want to help do something that changes the world. What can I do? How can I help? Some of you ought to be saying, you know, Jesus, I want my life to change. If, you know, if you're that person, we'll hang around. I'll hang around. Leaders, will you come up? Just, just, let's do this. If you're a leader in the church, hold your hand up right now where you are. Just right now. Hey, hey how many of you have been walking with Jesus for more than two months? Raise your hand. Now, the rest of you who don't know, maybe, one of these people can show you who he is. Because you know why? Every believer can minister. Every believer who Jesus has sheltered the life of can introduce you to the person of Christ. I wonder what you're leaving out of here without you experiencing him. Father, look in this crowd. Look at these group of people. God, help us to imagine a world where our lives are so activated to the point that, God, you can use us anytime, anyplace, anywhere, anyhow, God. God, don't let us be idle. God, let us be activated. God, don't let us be content. Let us be unsatisfied, God, that there's still people who need a loving touch. God, there's still children who need a loving home. God, there are still people, God, who need to know the grace and the power of God. Lord, I pray, God, if one in here who has not yet, Lord, uh, embraced you, God, I pray, God, your grace and your mercy would be all over them. Lord, we trust you, and we honor you. God, help us to put our eye black on, and God, just get busy doing what you ask us to do, being what you ask us to be. Jesus, I pray your Holy Spirit, God, these graces that are talked about are the word charisma, where we get the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that word grace. God, I pray the power of the Holy Spirit, God, would be upon every person, and our giving would be done under the unction of the Holy Spirit, God, our speaking, God, our, our encouraging, Lord Jesus, our praying, God, our, 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 our compassionate offerings, God, to other people, God, would be empowered by the Spirit, and God, your grace and your love and your joy and your peace would be seen all around, Lord. But we love you, and we trust you, Jesus. God, go with us. Help us to serve you and serve you well.